0: Here in China, there is such darkness. But even in the midst of this darkness, we are experiencing God's victory. I became a believer 10 years ago. I heard about Christ when I was on a business trip. After that, my entire family came to Christ. But we are not free to share our faith with others. If you are spreading the gospel, Chinese government treats you as a criminal. They want to control the number of Christians. They want to control what God is doing. I hear from time to time of brothers and sisters being persecuted and arrested. Last week, a good friend of mine was taken by the Chinese police. He was questioned and then beaten so bad that he almost died. All because of spreading the gospel. In the city, everywhere you look, there are apartments. Since we can't meet in public, Our ministry takes place in the buildings we live in. In the evenings, brothers and sisters in Christ gather together in homes. This is our church. If you ask people on the street, most have never heard of Christ or read the Bible. No one in their family is a believer. The dangers here are driven by darkness, and that darkness can be quite fearful, especially when I think of my family. But God never fears, and He will overcome. So I want to go and share despite being at risk. I minister to the neighbors that live next door or upstairs, I visit them often. I listen, and I share in their life. When I get the chance, I tell the story of Jesus Christ, and we pray. And the Holy Spirit works. Every week, we see new people come to Christ. Only two weeks ago, an amazing thing happened we discovered there was another home church meeting at the top of this very same building. In our own building, God had brought up another fellowship. That really humbled us. In the midst of all the darkness, all the persecution, the Holy Spirit is moving. It continues to prepare the hearts of people in China. (laughs) Every day, I have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ, even if it means I could go to prison. For who can have victory over God? Nobody. No matter what country.
1: This uh, story is one of the thousands that could be shared about suffering and persecution that Christians face for living for Jesus Christ. Persecution, suffering, um, sometimes imprisonment, sometimes even death, as we, as we heard. When uh, when we live an authentic Christian life, you know what we can expect to experience is uh, the fruit of the Spirit: of love and joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and that's what we like to focus on. Say, well, if you become a Christian, this is what's going to happen in your life. But the reality is, we can be very confident if we walk with Jesus in faithfulness. There's going to be the other side of the coin: is that we will experience persecution, we will experience suffering in our lives. The New Testament missionaries, uh, Paul and Silas, uh, they shared the good news of Jesus with those in Thessalonica, and some received that and accepted it, and we talked last week, and we found out that they, they not only received and accepted it, but they lived out uh, the Word of God in their, in their lives, as uh, we see in this passage right here. Therefore, uh, we never stop thanking God that when you received this message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very Word of God. They received it, and then we talked about last week, they didn't just say, okay, that's the Word of God. If they accepted it. They took it in their lives, and then it says, which of course the Word of God is, and this Word continues to work in you who believe. And so the Word of God is working in them. And so what was the result, Uh, what's one of the results that we're going to look at today of of them having the Word of God continually, continuing to work in them, Uh, and one of that results was, uh, we find in verse 14, and it says, then, and then, you know, since the Word of God is working in you, then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered Persecution from your own countrymen. and this way, you imitated the believers in God's churches in Judea who, because of their belief in Christ Jesus, suffered from their own people, uh, the Jews. Uh, I Just as you know, Jewish believers came to know Christ in the churches in Judea and they suffered because of their following Jesus, so you now as Gentiles in Thessalonica are one and the same. You're suffering for Jesus Christ and your faith in him. The end then, it says, then you lived out the word of God and the result was, therefore, and then you suffered persecution in your life. This is showing that striking proof that their faith was genuine, it was authentic, and a reality of that was because of their faith, people were saying, hey, we don't like this. And people were rejecting them and giving them persecution. Their faith was not superficial. It wasn't like the seed fell on stony soil. As you look at the parable of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long, they fall away as soon as they have problems, or they're persecuted for believing God's word. And the Thessalonian believers are saying, hey, that's not them. These folks are the real deal. When they face persecution and suffering, they didn't quickly fall away. And so, what we quickly discover in the New Testament is, if the whole New Testament, if we live out our faith, we can certainly expect to experience, be confronted with a persecution and rejection in our lives, and sometimes it can be to the point of death. And we don't experience that in America necessarily right now, but you see this in in China. What we're talking about, and in First First Thessalonians again, two fourteen, we see the reality of that. That you. You experienced, uh, you experienced suffering for persecution for your faith, and so did the, the Jews in, in Thessalonica. Now, here's the thing. When you look at that and say, well, uh, you know, we look at this passage, it raises some questions that I just want to look at. Very simple questions, not complicated. You're not going to go, man, that is, how did he think of that? Um, it's just one of those things of saying, okay, so we're going to experience suffering. well, Let's, in persecution, what are some questions we need to ask ourselves? And, you know, just simple. One of the things is, why do we experience persecution? I mean, we're Christians. Sometimes I think in our society, we're like, hey, you know, Christians, you, you, life's supposed to be good, and that can be our expectation, and, and again, we want to fo- focus on the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we present to people. You know, you're going to experience these things when you come to Christ, and that can be and should be a reality, and yet we all know a Christian life is rife with or can be rife with persecution and suffering. I think, why is that? Well, as Christians, it's not because of our ethnicity that we're rejected. It's not because of our politics, whether you're Democrat or Republican. It's, it's not because of our social status, rich or poor. It's not because of our, our sexual preference, male, female, gay, lesbian, bi, transgender. That's not why we're persecuted. Not, all these folks can suffer persecution, but that's not why we as Christians suffer persecution. It, it's solely for one reason. It's because we believe in Jesus Christ and we tell people about Jesus Christ. That's what you find in Scripture. And you see this. I want to go back to 214, and I, I switch the, the line here. It says, Then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen in this way. You imitate the believers in God's churches in Judea who suffered from their own people, the Jews. Why did they suffer? Because of their belief in Jesus Christ. That because of their belief was inserted in there. But it explains why. It explains why they suffered, why the Jews suffered. It's because of their belief in Christ Jesus. What Paul is just trying to remind them of is, listen, you're not the first people who suffered for, for your faith in Christ. It goes back to when he walked in this earth, and it's going to continue in our day. It's a reality of the Christian uh, faith. And you look at this and say, okay, well, so we, we suffer because of um, our faith in Christ. Well, who who is it that's doing the persecuting? And, you know, so I think, wow, it's those it's Muslims over there, they're going to come over here and they're going to knock us all out. And I'm not saying what's going to happen in history, but, but here's the reality. Is it, it tells us in this passage, it's, it's your own countrymen. It, it's it's you know people around you, it's people in your, your, your country, people in your county, people in our city, people in your community that you know, and people in your own house. You know, that's, that's a reality in our situation that we're facing. And if you're living out your faith and sharing the good news... Uh, what's going to happen is some are going to accept that good news. We heard about kids who went to camp, they accepted Christ. Some are going to respond away and say, praise God, thank you for telling me. Some are going to reject when you tell them about Jesus, and they're going to say, I really don't want to hear this, thank you, but I'm glad that's for you, if that's not for me. And then there's going to be those who go to the other extreme, and they're going to say, listen, uh, they're going to come after us. They just are passionately opposed to the things of Christ, and they want to let you know about that. Who is that? Well, it can be your co-workers. It can be people you know in the community. It can be uh, your peers that you come to know. It can be your classmates. It can be people in your own home. You know, example, this is from April of 2015 in Nigeria. Pastor pastor's uh, daughter was killed, in the church was destroyed by local youths who were wielding machetes. They came by. They said they were trying to uh, kill somebody who had who converted to Christianity from Islam. They couldn't find them. And so they lit the house on fire, the pastor and his daughter was inside and suffocated and died. And then they went on and they, they attacked some of the, the Christians there with these machetes, broke their arms, and they burned down the Baptist church. I mean, this, is, uh, this isn't some people from way out. This is local use attacking local people uh, in that situation. You'll like, think, well, that's in Nigeria. You know, that's not, that's not here. No one's chasing us with machetes here in Junction City, Oregon, or trying to burn down the building of the pastor's house or any of that. But the reality is, uh, if we think about it, we all know people or have experienced persecution and suffering for our faith in Jesus, and it it can be right in the home. You know, I've been in ministry a lot of years, and how many, I'll say wives, I'm not saying it's the other way around, it can't be the other way around, but many wives who who suffer persecution for their faith in Jesus Christ, because their spouse says, I really don't like you going to church. Uh, You can go to church on Sunday, but other than that, skip it. Don't you dare spend our money on anything given to the church. Um, oh, the kids, no, I don't take I've I got something really fun planned for the kids on Sunday morning. So, no, they can't go to church with you. The kids go, I go to church and go with dad and go, woohoo, do something fun. Persecution from a spouse to a spouse because I believe in Jesus and the spouse doesn't. The adult child, we heard from uh, right here Ernesto from uh, our Hispanic ministry came and shared with us today that he, he, his, his mother, when he told her about he accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, she said, You're no longer my son. Rejection, persecution from a mother to a son. The, uh, the brother who says, I don't want to hear any more about Jesus. Don't talk to me anymore about your Jesus. I don't really want to be interested in interacting with you in that way because that's what you talk about. The boss who makes it very clear, don't bring up your faith here. Don't talk about Jesus. You're in a situation. Uh, the peer who was uh, seemingly a friend and then invited to church, invited to church, and then shoo, cuts off, shuns, won't interact, won't respond, won't return calls, won't uh, respond to any, any interaction. Why? Because if people don't want to hear about Jesus, we live out our faith, we're telling other people about Jesus Christ. Yes, some will respond. Some will say, yeah, thank you for telling me. But often we can know that there's going to be persecution. It can be from our own family members. It can be from the person at the grocery store. It can be anybody we come to contact with who just, they don't want to hear. People we know. It's not those people out there. It's people in our community, our own countrymen and we need to be aware of that. So how in the world to respond? And this is where I want to spend a little more time. How do we to respond to persecution in our lives? We're going to look at three responses. There's many we could look at in scriptures, but I just want to share uh, some, some, some uh, ones that we see in scripture. One is, is we need to expect. We need to expect that we're going to suffer or face persecution for Jesus. It's, it's just going to be the way the Christian life is. I think this is so hard for us to comprehend in our comfortable society. You know, a pastor David Bondurant, He's the new pastor at the Christian Church. We had a pastors' meeting this last week in our community, and he was sharing how awesome it was that they had uh, their people went out and invited people to a concert at the church on Thursday night. A Southern Gospel group came. And they said we knocked on two hundred doors, and he said. We didn't have one negative comment. We didn't have one door slammed on our face. We asked for prayer requests, and 35 people gave us prayer requests. And we all praised God. And I thought, well, that's, that's wonderful. That's super exciting. But that's not the norm. That's not the norm for, uh, for Christians when we share our faith in, in Jesus Christ. And, and you think, well, how do we know that? Well, just look at the New Testament. Look at the New Testament believers and you see, uh, they're running for their lives. They have mobs coming over and saying, hey, bring them out here. We want to take care of them. They have people yelling at them. They have people that are they're, they're, they're being flogged for their faith. They're being uh, beaten for their faith. They're being stoned for their faith. They're being imprisoned for their faith. They're being killed for their faith. Because I believe in Jesus Christ and say, we don't like that. You know, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to know anything about that. It's, it's just normal stuff. We didn't expect that. That's, just, that's the life of a Christian. You now, Jesus talked about, we're going to suffer. Jesus talked about his own life and his situation in Matthew 16. He's, he's getting ready to, to, he knows he's going to come to, to his end. He says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly, it's necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, leading priests, and teachers of the religious law. He'd be killed, but on the third day, he'd uh, be raised from the dead. He tells them, this is what's going to happen. Now, they didn't really like that. They didn't think it was a good deal, uh, you know, in that sense. Or sometimes they didn't even understand it. But Jesus says, this is the way it's going to be for me. He talks about uh, the suffering, if you remember, with uh, uh, Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul's on his way to persecute other Christians, if you remember that. And Jesus shows up. Remember that? He shows up and uh, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul is blinded at that time. And then then God sends, Jesus says, I'm going to send who? Ananias. And he tells Ananias, I want you to go and minister to this Saul guy. And Ananias says, all right, right on. I want to go talk to him. No, he doesn't do that, does he? He says, I'm not talking to that guy. He's a guy that's persecuting a bunch of Christians. I'm not interested in talking to him. And Jesus says this. He says, listen, in Acts 9.15, the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him, Saul, how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, when I became a Christian, I was so overjoyed. I felt forgiven. Now, if God had told me at that moment when I was 11, hey, you're gonna suffer a lot for my sake, I'd be going, oh, "Ah, yeah, really? You know, but God knew I probably, I couldn't handle it as an 11-year-old boy. And so, uh, you know, it's, 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 he's telling them, this is your lot. And it's, it's for Saul, I know it's for Saul specifically, but following Jesus means persecution. Following Jesus means suffering for the Christian, or it should, in, in our lives. Not that we go out looking for a fight, it's just reality, it comes to us when we go and share that we're a follower of Jesus Christ. Paul affirms this in Romans 8, 17. Paul says, since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Isn't that wonderful? I would, would stop there. But it doesn't. It says, but if we're to share his glory, we must, all, we must also share his suffering. Isn't that just really upbeat and exciting? We don't share that so often. we talk about Christianity, we say, oh, you're going you to share in God's glory. It's going to be wonderful. True. Those are true statements, but they're half. We must also share in his suffering. 2 Timothy 3, 12. Yes, and everyone, not some, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus might, possibly, could, no, will suffer persecution. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, we need to expect persecution and suffering for our faith, and not be surprised when it happens. Like, wow, I can't believe that happened. That should happen. I'm a Christian. Now, I've shared this story before, but when, it, it, try to illustrate, just when I was in eighth grade, I played uh, football, and I was a tight end, and we were playing Kylo Junior High, and we were near the goal line, we we're gonna score against them, hopefully, and the super cool play was we're gonna fake a pass this way. And then everyone's the defense going to go this way, and then we're gonna, the quarterback's going to step back and gonna throw it to the other side. And my job was to step in, and this guy was going to take the fake, and then we turned. I was going to block him, and the play worked to perfection. We scored a touchdown. The guy turned around. I just creamed him. I mean, it was a crushing block for an eighth grader, <laughs> you know. And the guy just he went down. He went down. I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. And at that point, my testosterone hadn't clicked in. It took me like three more years till I actually. Got aggressive, you know. At that point, I was a really nice guy. I just happened to be happy out in the football field. Well, this guy's aggression had ticked in. He had testosterone plus, you know. So he got up and he started screaming at me and yelling at me and swearing at me and saying, "I'm going to kill you next time. I'm going to kill you next time." And I'm like, oh. so I go back to the coach and I say, "That guy said he's going to kill me next time." And they go, "Great job, Slaker. Great job." And I'm like, huh? I thought, they don't understand. They don't get it. But you know what? They did understand. They got it. When you play football, you cream somebody. That's expected. And the other team get mad at you. That's normal. That's the way it's supposed to be. You're going, yeah, way to go, Slaker. You creamed him. Like, I think so often, that's like as Christians, you know, we you see God work. And, go, and the people get mad. and go, oh, he got mad at me. He said, he's not upset. He didn't want to talk to me anymore. Yeah? Expect persecution and suffering. It's part of the Christian life. It's part of the game of being a Christian. And so I think we're just blind. I can't believe people are upset. Yes. It's the gospel that they're upset with. It's God they're upset with. It's not us. And so we don't offend people because we're, we're obnoxious. We offend people because we share the good news. And and people don't so often don't want to hear. So that's one response. Just expect it. It's part of the game. It's normal. Here, here's another response. Is and, and as we endure and remain faithful in in our in our in our faith. First Thessalonians or Second Thessalonians. I'm sorry, one four. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance. Talking about the Thessalonican believers about your endurance and faithfulness in all the persecutions and hardships you are suffering. I mean, this is. This is not an exhortation. It's just a report about a church that is staying together. They're walking with Jesus. They're remaining faithful. They're enduring persecution. In the midst of all these things, they're staying on on course. They're keeping the main thing the main thing. They're not getting distracted. They're not backbiting and all those kinds of things. You know, I've been... I've been on a lot of mission trips, and I took kids three years and bike trips for a week long, and ministry after that another week, and, and you know, short-term missions, and week-long VBSs, and all these things. And what you find is, and you go on these trips, is people get tired. And sometimes, I know it's shocking, but Christian people are kind of cranky. And they don't like the food. And they don't necessarily agree with how the leadership uh, decisions at the leadership, namely Ted, what they're doing. And, you know, we think we, the, the neat people really get ticked off with the messy people. And the, the late-nighters really get the, the early morning risers upset. And then the early morning risers get up and make noise. And the, the late-nighters who are now trying to sleep are, are upset. They don't like the music in the van. Why are we listening to this? We've heard that song how many times? You know, and could we please change and listen to something else, whatever it is? You know, it's got to be something different. You have budding romances that create conflicts with the high school kids. You know, that have, to, okay, we're, now we've got problems with there, and on it goes. And, and uh, you know, leading these ministries is, can be a challenge because you're trying to always say, listen, we're going to keep the main things, we're going to stay faithful to our cause, which is to be unified in our, in our words and our actions, and we're going to share the good news of Jesus in a short-term mission trip. That's what we're going to do. And, and you know, that's, that's our challenge. And, and we're going to finish strong. We're going to endure. We're going to be finished strong in this ministry, and we're going to walk all the way to the end, run all the way to the end. That's a constant challenge in leadership with short-term mission trips, with anything like that. And so, you know, because if that doesn't happen, what, what takes place is division and strife and blaming and finger-pointing and just, just, you know, all those things can take place if you're not careful. And so, you know, because generally, you know, we can function just fine here on Sunday morning. We're great, and everyone's happy, and we're shaking hands, and we're good to see you. But when the heat's on, when we get tired, we get hungry, and I've seen a little too much of this person, um, and we can, get, we can find ourselves, we're not careful. If we're not enduring and remaining faithful, then things start falling apart. And, and that's, that's a challenge for us. Now, that probably wasn't a great advertisement for a short-term mission trip, but, but here's the deal. You know what, great things happen on short-term mission trips. And you know, some teams are different. This last year's team, I would say was, I mean, I keep saying it, but it was like the best. It was phenomenal. We, the team came together. The unity, the love, the service through hardship and trials, that's where you see people really grow. People stretch, and you stretch yourself, and, you, and you're challenged, and you see people come together in ways that you've never seen before, and people know each other and connect. And I saw even this morning, I saw Rod walk by David and give him a pat and say, hey, those are guys who know each other before, really, you know? So here, these guys just, we know each other now because we've seen each other, we connect, and, and, and because we've been in the battle together. That's what happens in short-term mission trips. So next time there's a sign-up, sign-up. But it's just, understand, we're going to endure, and we need to stay faithful, and that's a challenge, and that's why we grow so much on short-term mission trips. That's why, you know, it's essential that we commit to endure. Second Timothy 2, we'll go on here. Uh, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Paul says, hey, endure suffering uh, because it's, it's a soldier. It's not, uh, it's a boot camp. It's, it's a struggle. It's a battle that we find ourselves in. And uh, Revelation 13 and challenge there, it says, anyone who has with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. You know, that's a repeated theme. Whether it's the, the end times, the kingdom to come, or whether it's uh, you know, right now, he's saying we need to remain faithful and endure things to come. It'd be Good for us to be mindful of Galatians 6, 9, a verse I go back to a lot in my life. Uh, Let's not get tired. Let's not grow weary of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. That's enduring. That's staying faithful to the cause. We're going to reap a harvest. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next month, next year. But uh, we're going to reap a harvest. And so keep that in mind as a response to suffering. Here's here's response three, the last one we're going to, Look at and that is to recognize suffering for Christ. Recognize suffering for Christ as a privilege, and you go, "Wow, that wouldn't have been on my list." Well, wouldn't have been on my list either. Uh, But you look at Scripture and you see people who say, "What a privilege it is to suffer for Christ." And you you go back to Acts chapter five, and they've been telling people about Jesus. Chapter four and five, they're telling people about Jesus, telling people about Jesus, and then uh, they're they're in prison, and then they're let loose, and they're and then called in apostles, they called in apostles and had them flogged, after they, and they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Stop it. Knock it off. And they've already said, we must obey God rather than men. We're going to tell people anyway, which is what they did. The apostles left after being flogged, uh, not a fun experience. The high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus uh, Woo-hoo, we got flogged because of Jesus. That's how they're doing. They're excited, they're rejoicing because they consider it a privilege to be suffer for the name of Jesus. Specifically, you look at Philippians 1.29, Apostle Paul says, For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Again, I think we we kind of float over those verses. We just float over the second half of some of these verses. We've given the privilege of trusting Christ. we just like to stop right there. Isn't it wonderful to trust in Christ? And it is. But we've also been given another privilege of suffering for Christ. Another passage, 1 Peter. Peter speaks again. Peter, example in Acts, but now it's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Privilege of suffering, being called by his name. That's not a shame. It's a great thing. That we can do that now. That's not normal response, I don't think, for us to say as a privilege to suffer for Christ. And and you look at the Peter and Paul and those and saying you know um, that's maybe that's that time. It's not now. But I'll share a story of a doctor, name of Helen Rosevere. She was a British medical missionary in Zaire, and in the 60s she. Was, had faced all kinds of persecution, brutal beatings, other forms of physical torture. At one point, she thought she was going to be executed. And at that moment, she said, she sensed the Holy Spirit saying to her this, 20 years ago, you asked me for the privilege of being identified with me. This is it. Don't you want it? This is what it means. These are not your sufferings, they are my sufferings. All I ask is, of you is the loan of your body. The privilege of serving Christ whose sufferings overwhelmed Dr. Rosevear. And she survived, she wasn't executed, and she later wrote this. I want you to read this. He didn't stop the sufferings. He didn't stop the wickedness, the cruelties, the humiliation, or anything. It was all there. The pain was just as bad, the fear was just as bad, but it was altogether different. It was in Jesus, for Jesus, with Jesus. That really struck me. He didn't rescue her didn't take her out of her pain and suffering. It was all there. But she had such a faith in God that she responded to her suffering and said, this is a privilege. This is a privilege I have. It, my sufferings for Jesus, with Jesus, and, and uh, in Jesus. What a, what a challenge. And I appreciate she clarified it didn't change. I, I don't know about you, but you know, probably like your first response is going to be, uh, you know, get me out of this, Lord. Um, stop this. This isn't fair. I don't like this. Um, those kinds of things, and, uh, you know, have you forgotten me? I mean, those would be things that come to, to mind for so many of us. And yet, if we really walk with Jesus, trust Jesus in persecution, say, God, this is a privilege to suffer for you, with you, and in you. And that should be our, our challenge. I, I pray we can grow uh, in a way that through maybe just even here and today. So we can state in Philippians one twenty nine, we can say this is our, our statement. Lord, thank you for being given Thank you for being given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. May we come to that maturity level that we could make such a statement as Paul makes here in Philippians 1.29. You know, on, Honestly, you think about um, being persecuted and suffering, and it can seem maybe irrelevant to this group, to us, who say, that's not that big a deal. I, I, don't, I don't face persecution in my life. I just want to share some, some things that, to think about just to close our time. And just um, so, some are thoughts and some are recaps, some things are thoughts that we need to process. First is, is a recap, and I think we need to expect uh, persecution and endure and remain faithful through suffering and count it a privilege when we suffer for Jesus. We just talked about that. When, we've, when we are persecuted and when we suffer, we need to say, listen, uh, this is normal, and God, help me to endure, help me to remain faithful and help me to say, this is a privilege to suffer in your name, for your name, in that way. Um, and secondly, you know, is we need to make sure we put on the armor of God. Now, so often uh, we need to realize, suffering, it's not just physical, it's, it's a spiritual battle that we face. And we need to understand that and face it with spiritual weapons. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We're strong in the Lord, not, not when the going get tough, the tough get going. We're saying, I'm strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You know, it's like Paul in, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, you know, you know, in my weakness I'm made strong. He realizes, and that's what we're talking about here. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies, all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. You know, that's, uh, the, the, you look at 14 through 17, it gives the, the armor, I'm not going to talk about that right now. But read it, look at it, study it, say, I need to put on these pieces of armor in my life. I want to stand firm in the, the battle. Third, we need to pray, and we need to pray for those who are being persecuted, we need to pray that they would stay strong. We, don't, we can pray for their uh, release and persecution, and that's, that's a good thing to pray, but we also need to pray, God, help them. Help them to endure. Help them to stay faithful. Help them to press on in, in the battle in that way. That's what Paul, at the end of this, same, Ephesians 6, once again, you look at that, he says, he says pray in the Spirit at all times, at every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. You know, I think the challenge for us is to think of believers elsewhere. Uh, and, you know, so often I can become this way as I think about our church and our people and lose sight of what God's doing globally. It's so helpful to do an operation uh, world and have a prayer thing like that, which points you all over the world thinking about that, to, to read different uh, examples. Uh, just go online, put persecuted church, and you're going to find all kinds of organizations working, and they'll tell you, pray for these people in Nigeria, pray for these people in Somalia. Pray for these people. I mean, it's just, it's endless. But it's important for us to be aware. As for, as pray, and pray for me too, Paul says, ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now. The guy's in prison. And he's asking to pray. He doesn't say, hey, get me out of here. He's saying, give me the right words. Still, I'm still preaching the message as God's ambassador, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should, that I will endure, that I'll be faithful, that I'll keep sharing the good news even while in prison for my faith in Jesus Christ. It's so important that we pray for the persecuted church. We pray that we'll remain faithful like Paul in our, in our persecutions. Here's fourth, take comfort knowing God's going to bring justice. He's going to bring justice to the situation. It may not be again tomorrow, next week, next month. It may not be in this lifetime, but his justice is going to rule and reign. Second, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 15 and 16, which we're not even going to get to. I was planning on talking about how God deals with those who are persecutors. He, he says, hey, your cup's full. You've done it. I'm done with you. And God's patience is worn thin. And so there's going to be a judgment for those who persecute the church. He's going to deal with them. Um, and so and here's another passage, Psalm 11. Psalm 11 talks about the wicked are saying, hey, you know, what's the point? Everything's falling apart. The world's coming to an end. The wicked are shooting their bows at you. You're in deep, deep trouble. And this is what he says, "...but the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord still rules from heaven. He watches everyone closely, examining examining every person on earth. The Lord examines both the righteous and the wicked. He hates those who love violence. He will rain down blazing coals and burning sulfur on the wicked, punishing them with scorching winds. For the righteous Lord loves justice. The virtuous or the upright will behold or will see his face." We've got to hang on to that. When we're facing persecution, Oh, okay, it may not be this life, but God is going to rule and reign. God is ruling and reigning. He's going to make things right. And all these horrible things we see so often uh, can really rock us. Here's the final thing, just to think about, and that is this question. Do I face persecution for my faith in Jesus? I mean, this is kind of, this is the drive of the whole message, really, is for us to ask this question. Do I face persecution for my faith in Jesus? 2 Timothy 3.12, we saw this earlier. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a God life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Does my life as a Christian bring rejection? Does it bring persecution in my workplace, with those I know in my community, sometimes perhaps in our own families, uh, you know, in these situations uh, and if not, and again, we're not going looking for a fight. We're not like, hey, I want people to really throw tomatoes at me. I'm looking forward to that. It's a matter of saying, if I live my faith out, if I'm faithful in telling people about Jesus, a natural thing's going to happen is we're going to face persecution. We're going to face rejection. And if that's not happening, I have to ask myself, why not? Why is it, you know, is it we slipped into comfortable Christianity? I just want to be a nice guy. And it goes, oh, yeah, boy, yeah, this really a really guy. He's, yeah, he's a pastor. No, that's, that's all wonderful. And we shake hands. We, we smile at everybody and all those kinds of things. We don't tell people about Jesus. There's no reason to get offended. They just go, oh, that's a nice guy. Moral, upright, nice family, good, wonderful. That's great. It's meaningless eternally, though. In eternity, if we don't tell people about Jesus. You know, that's what we're, that's what we're called to do. And when we do that, and when we just live that out and exudes out of us... But if that's not happening, if we face rejection, if if that's not happening, we have to say, why not? Am I silent? When was the last time I just stuck my neck out and told someone about Jesus? When was the last time I I just challenged someone uh, and and shared my story? Can I tell you my story? And let God work. And if you're rejected, then, hey, that's normal. That's expected. Part of the game. We're going to take hits. People are going to yell at us. That's that's it. It's so important that we think about this. I want to. I want us to. This. Well, I hope this drives in your mind this week. Say, okay, you know, do I really suffer? And I think most of us say, eh, not really. Life's pretty comfortable for me. I can't think of the last time someone got upset because I'm a Christian, rejected me, or said, don't talk to me about that. Leave me alone. Don't bug me. You know, you think you're so good at two shoes. I, I don't say that. It's, No, you're nice. It's important for us to really wrestle with this question. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We say, well, that's futuristic. Yeah, it, it just should be everyday life. Not that we're every single day, but again, read your New Testament. Read what happens. Read the followers of Jesus. People don't appreciate them. So... That's the challenge for us. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for the persecuted church. We're going to pray for us that we rise up and we live out our faith, that we share our faith, and that God will use us and we'll see salvation and we'll see life change in us and we'll endure and be faithful in uh, what we experience after that. So let's pray. Lord, this uh, this moment we do pray, and we thank you that you are a God who is on the throne. And that you will prevail and you will deal with the the wicked, violent people who oppress Christians. And Lord, you will lift up believers, followers of you. We thank you for that. We pray for those who right now, all over our world, who are like this video we watched at the beginning, who are risking their lives to share their faith. Some are in prison, some are suffering, separated from family hardship, beatings, Lord, we pray for the persecuted church, pray that they would endure and stay, stay the course and not lose hope, and Lord, they would shine for you in the midst of their suffering, and Lord, may we learn from them because so many talk about and live fearless lives and rejoice in their suffering, considered a privilege, Lord, may we, may we hear of these, may we read of these and be challenged and convicted in our own lives to live more boldly for you in our own setting. I pray for each one of us here that we would really examine within our lives, are we living in such a way that our faith shines out? Are we sharing the good news in such a way that people hear and some receive, some reject, and some persecute? Lord, but, but we leave that to you. Help us. Help us to live boldly for you. Use this as your instrument. We ask in your name, we ask your power. I just want you to take a moment, just you and God, please, just, just you and God. Just maybe a commitment you need to make, a, a confession, whatever it is, just for a moment. Will you, will you just take a moment to do that? Pray in your name.